Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another Gavin Jules meets Jules World Cup controversy referees yes. always happens yeah so you and i decided to have a little chat with this man Luigi Collina, chairman of the fifa referees committee and i think a former referee yeah, in the 2002 world cup yeah. final chank a bunch of things <laughs> yes i think yeah i, I think sometimes a lot of on the field of play yeah <laughs> i've been sometimes on the field of play <laughs> once or twice i want to get right into it because the World Cup is a showcase for the best players, the best teams that qualify, unlike Italy. Um, but it's also the best referees. The referees are selected. Referees come from every confederation. I don't think everybody understands how the process works. So can you tell us, I presume you don't choose by yourself. You have a a group that monitors and looks at referees, right? Yeah, and uh, it was uh, not even a lottery. We we started uh, uh, the selection process a uh, few months after the, the World Cup 2018 was over. We started a project uh, called uh, Road to Qatar 2022. Um, so we identified uh, quite a big number of, uh, uh, of referees from... Uh, all over the world, and we start working uh, with uh, with them. Uh, but then, unfortunately, uh, our plans uh, needed to be amended uh, due to the pandemic. We had uh, yeah some issues. Uh, we try to overcome these issues uh, by using more and more uh, virtual seminars instead of uh, seminars in presence. So we continue to work uh, with these uh, uh, match officials. And uh, once the pandemic uh, uh, let uh, us to restart with uh, seminars in presence, uh, we had uh, this kind of activities. Uh, so I repeat, it was a long process, uh, which uh, came to an end uh, when we have uh, uh, selected the final group of uh, match officials, 36 referees, 69 assistant referees and 24 video match officials. So 129 in total, quite uh, quite a big team, I would say. So just just to clarify, in terms of, do so you have seminars for them? Do you also send people to watch them in their club competitions uh, as well? We kept them monitored uh, both in their uh, domestic competitions uh, as well as in international competitions. Uh, these uh, referees were. Uh, invited uh, to uh, FIFA youth tournaments, uh, although due to the pandemic, uh, we we had to cancel some under uh, 20, under 17 uh, tournaments, uh, um, but they definitely were monitored. Uh, and uh, even once they were selected, 
the monitoring process continued, uh, so they received uh, a, a, a follow-up in terms of uh, uh, training, uh, of course, when needed, uh, as well as, as well as the support from uh, our medical staff, uh, and also all the matches they refereed were uh, monitored by uh, FIFA instructors, providing them feedback and us, the team I work with, uh, a, 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 let's say, a feedback about the, the performances. So okay. quite, uh, quite an accurate uh, selection process. But in the end, on the last day, is it a case of you and your team with all your reports sitting in a room and saying, okay, this one definitely let's have a discussion between these two and so on. Is that what happens? Is there, there's, there's a group of people who. Yeah. The FIFA referee committee, the FIFA referee committee has members from all the confederations and namely the head of refereeing of each confederation. So certainly we have uh, uh, in our team uh, people who uh, regularly follow the performances of uh, the referees in each single confederation. Uh, but then myself and the director of refereeing of FIFA, Massimo Busaka, we are also in a position to know uh, what uh, uh, the, the, the match officials did in, in, uh, during the, the, the process. And to be clear, they're all ex-referees or almost all ex-referees, right? You say, of course, but in the past, I think in 2002, when you were uh, officiated the World Cup final, they were not all ex-referees. You had a lot of sort of professional football executives. Do you think this has been a positive change to put the referees? Absolutely, absolutely positive. It is a big change that was implemented by Gianni Infantino, who became when he became president of, uh, of FIFA in 2016. And, uh, and it was something that uh, uh, it was already working like this in, in UEFA, where I worked for eight years. Uh, those who have a responsibility in refereeing must have uh, a refereeing background uh, and uh, it should be independent uh, from uh, anyone else. I'm Pierluigi, there will be three three women referees as well this time, around for the for the first time. Are you surprised how quickly maybe attitudes have changed? Are you, I guess, you're very happy with with the fact that in this World Cup you you can have three women referees taking part in the men's World Cup. We have uh, three women referees and uh, three women assistant referees. They all had uh, experiences in uh, uh, men football, not only domestically or in their confederation, even at our uh, in FIFA in FIFA competitions. Um, I have to say I understand that uh, this is uh, quite uh, uh, big news because it's the first time in the in the football World Cup history. Uh, but honestly, I would. Uh, really love that uh, uh, this is something that is not uh, really so interesting. I would like <laughs> to have them as uh, uh, six members of uh, the FIFA uh, refereeing team at, uh, at the World Cup. Um, and this is uh, how they will be considered starting from uh, tomorrow when uh, they will arrive there and the day after when we will start the final preparatory seminar in, in Doha. There is no difference. One there in Qatar, 
There is no difference. You said you're taking 24 video match officials. And I, I'm curious because uh, tell me if you agree, but being a video match official or a VAR or whichever terminology you want to use, in some ways, it can be a different skill from refereeing on the field because you're not you're you're looking at a screen rather than reality. No. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and uh, the selection of video, video match officials uh, has uh, been made uh, based on their skill as a video match official. Um, I use the word uh, video match officials because, uh, you know, we have uh, different roles uh, um, during uh, the workup. There will be four video match officials working. There will be a VAR, a video assistant referee. There will be an assistant VAR. There will be another, a second assistant VAR who will uh, oversee everything, everything related to offside. And then there will, there will be another uh, assistant video, uh, assistant VAR, who will uh, let's say facilitate the flow of information between between the other. So it's quite a big team, and uh, they can operate in each of these uh, roles. That's why I use the word video match officials. But I repeat, they were selected because of their skill in their position, differently from Russia four years ago. Uh, we have more experience. Um, you certainly remember that uh, in Russia, where everything went well or very well, um, the experience uh, was not that big. Uh, four years later, the technology has been implemented in all major competition in the world, club or uh, national teams. Uh, so certainly we have uh, much more experience. And also the selection process uh, was uh, was easier because we had uh, more uh, experience from uh, these video match officials. So, so you feel it's better to have a, a slightly bigger team in the VR, um, you know, truck room? or room? Then, then, yeah, room. Um, um, in terms of their communication, in terms of helping each other out, in, in terms of like discussing a decision and things like that, which I think is, is really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's work uh, which is uh, prepared uh, very accurately. Communication is uh, definitely one of the uh, most important uh, uh, part. Uh, uh, we have uh, a, a, a tournament played by local semi-professional players uh, just to give every match officials referee, assistant referee, video match official, the possibility to officiate one match uh, there. Um, I know that uh, differently from Russia four years ago, uh, our match officials uh, had the last match in their domestic competition probably this weekend, the past week, the, the exactly the last weekend. So there is not a gap, not a break between the end of uh, refereeing and the start of the World Cup. Uh, but we wanted to, we wanted that they, they, they get used uh, to do to the country, to the, to the temperature there uh, with everything. So we are really trying to do everything possible to, to get them very well prepared. Once they're actually in Qatar, they're all going to be in the same hotel. 
in the same complex. And unlike Russia or Brazil before that, there's not going to be as much traveling around because all the games are in one city. Can you give us a bit of a flavor? What do these people do during the day and their in their downtime? Like, do they do they play football, for example, have a kickabout with each other? And if so, there's nobody wants the referee, I assume, when that happens. Do they play <laughs> table tennis? Do they they can't be studying the all gym, the time, right? The gym. No, the headquarter, as you said, the headquarter is in uh, is in Doha. Uh, logistically, it's uh, it's a very easy work up uh, because uh, uh, we play in a city, and uh, um, the 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 farthest stadium from uh, our headquarter is less than forty kilometers. So all the match officials will travel to the stadium and back to our headquarters the same uh, the same day. Completely different from. Uh, Russia four years ago uh, and uh, uh, completely different from uh, Canada, US and Mexico in in four years time. Um, they will be busy, believe me. They will be busy. <laughs> uh, they have to to know in advance uh, uh, all the all the the, 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 the information about the tactics played by the teams or the specific situation they can face during the match they are going to, to referee. So activities on the field of play in the morning and in the afternoon we have sessions in, in the room discussing incidents and so on. And once the, 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 the World Cup starts, of course, there is a rotation depending on the appointments but basically, the morning is dedicated to the activities on the field of play and to the debriefing of the matches already already played, while the afternoon with four matches uh, each day, referees will be busy to follow and to watch the matches on, uh, on TV because it's also part of the preparation. They have to know everything about the team. So the best way to understand how the team plays is to watch all, all the matches. So believe me, they will have enough things to do. Jules, one of the things that struck me was how much preparation goes into mm. um, officiating today. And I don't know that anybody, everybody knows this. Now, oh, yeah, I probably think they just turn up and that's it. Yeah, I knew that this was the case with Colina because 20 years ago when I sat down, when Gianluca Vialli and I did a book together, we sat down with him and he talked about how he studied video because he wanted to know for each player what were their characteristics and yeah. they tend to take the ball first time, what kind of runs did they make because it would help him be a better referee. So that's why we asked him whether this was normal today. Mm. I'm proud to say yes, because uh, the referees of my generation thought uh, that uh, being fit and knowing the laws of the game was enough to be prepared as a referee for a match. And I remember when I asked uh, the uh, staff uh, at the World Cup uh, in Japan, uh, the two days before the, 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 the final, all the VHS of the match played by Germany and uh, Brazil, you remember that at, uh, at that time, 2002, <laughs> the only way to watch something recorded was uh, VHS. So basically, I spent uh, one and a half day in my room uh, watching all the matches, re-watching all the matches played by Brazil and uh, and Japan, exactly to, to, to find uh, all this kind of information. Um, the, the, the objective, the goal of a referee is to be one step forward. 
to know before what is going to happen, because this makes uh, the decision easier to be to be taken. Um, so at that time it was pretty unusual, and I repeat, I'm proud that today this is the way uh, the referee prepares the match. As I said, we have uh, two match analysts; they are uh, licensed coaches, and they do exactly what uh, the match analyst of uh, a, a team coach uh, receives. So basically, they offer uh, our referees uh, all this kind of information, of course, from the referee's perspective. So what is needed from, from this uh, per perspective? Knowing in advance, uh, just as an, as an example, how a team defends on a, on a free kick or a core kick, uh, uh, zonal versus man-to-man uh, -man, uh, or specific characteristic of a player, um, preferred foot, uh, um, all this kind of information, if known before, give the referee the possibility to know in advance uh, what, uh, what is going to happen. And then, I repeat, if you know it before, making the correct decision is definitely uh, easier. What would be the when when you have all your team together, all your referees and assistant referees and VAR referees and all of that? What would be your your first message when you all together for the first time? Would you tell them, enjoy it? This is an amazing experience. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's really a good team. Uh, we are working. I I said uh, with them uh, since a long time. Uh, they they know each other very well. There is a. Uh, a very a very strong team spirit between between them and it's nice to see how they interact uh, even there is a sort of rivalry between them yeah. because of course you are appointed for a match and not the other so there is a sort of uh, i would say healthy rivalry between mm -hmm. between them but the team spirit is very is very strong i want to touch upon that because obviously in your case brazil and germany couldn't be in the final we're in the final so you couldn't have a brazilian or german referee for the final and i know i'm sure you were a big italy fan at the 2002 world <laughs> cup but joking aside uh at what stage does that become a consideration is it the semi-final stage where maybe you have four semi-finalists and you think maybe it's not appropriate to select somebody or to keep somebody aside from one of those countries, um, you know, for the other semifinal. Is, is this more of an issue in the past? Have you moved past that? In the past, in the past was definitely an issue. I remember in 1998 in France, uh, Italy qualified, uh, and I was uh, invited to, the, to, to leave the door, <laughs> to leave the room, because... Of course, uh, that was the rule. Um, and in Japan, in Korea, Japan, uh, happened the, the exactly opposite. Italy lost uh, Korea in the round of 16, and, uh, and uh, I had the chance to go until the end. Now it's pretty different. We keep, uh, we keep uh, the referees, the match officials, uh, despite their nationality, uh, of course, we need to be careful uh, to consider all the uh, encroachments, all the crossing. Uh, uh, so sometimes uh, 
the, the, the appointing process is not that easy because uh, when you appoint a, a stage of the competition, you cannot consider only this stage. You have always already to consider the next uh, the next round because depending on the uh, decisions you take, maybe you can uh, tie up your hands for the next uh, the next round. So it's not an easy exercise, believe me. It must be but, really difficult. Yeah, but, but but it seemed to me that when I was growing up, it was came down to the confederations in the final that you know it was. If you had two teams from the same confederation, it didn't matter. But if they were from different confederations, usually South America and, and UEFA, it seemed like it had to be a Mexican referee because they were the only ones experienced enough who were from... I, no, we've moved past all say, of this, no? I have to say that our mind, mind criteria is uh, quality. So we want the correct referee for every, every match. Then, uh, if the sort of neutrality might be respected okay that's fine but i repeat the, the the first priority is given is given quality so when we choose the referee a referee or a team of match officials it's because they are those who we think are the best for that specific match did you know less than 10 percent of americans own an e-bike here's why that should change Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Referees are associated to national associations. Um, and it seems to me that in club football, in the top leagues, the only area of protectionism where it's almost impossible to have foreign referees who are part of the team is, is actually is refereeing, right? You've got foreign players, coaches, owners, and so on. We had a case recently. We have one case of uh, Jared Gillette, who is top referee in the A-League. And he wanted to come referee in England. And even then, he had to get a visa, a student visa, because he also studies and he had to start from four tiers down. You gave me an answer on this many years ago, but I want to just want to ask you again, like I, as a referee, if you were starting out today 
and you were not from Italy, if you were from Uzbekistan or, or whatever, I, would you rather see referees treated as we are the best we can so we compete with the best like every other category in football? Or do you still believe in the importance of a referee staying within their national association? Well, there are different aspects to be to be considered. Uh, we have a, uh, an Iranian referee who is currently refereeing the A-League in Australia. Uh, he lives there, uh, Ali Reza Fagani. And uh, since, uh, if I'm not wrong, three seasons, uh, he is refereeing the A-League. Um, there are not many. Um, I would say I would say it's uh, it's sort of uh, coin with two sides. Uh, certainly, giving the possibility to to to, to referring in uh, in uh, in other leagues. If you move uh, to that country, um, it's something understandable. Uh, on the other side, uh, we have to somehow protect uh, the, the 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 local leagues, every leagues. Uh, Otherwise, the, there might be someone uh, collecting all uh, the best referees from uh, all over the world and create uh, uh, a panel of uh, uh, referees uh, simply because they can uh, they can uh, invest more money in, in them. So, like they do with players <laughs> and coaches, no? <laughs> like like players and coaches, of course. So, I think I think. Uh, um, in the future, then it might be possible that there, there might be more moves, exceptions, I would say. Um, but I think uh, it won't become like... Uh, like uh, We had the referees uh, in the past uh, who moved uh, uh, on a professional basis in, uh, in another country. You certainly remember uh, Klattenburg who went to, uh, to Saudi, uh, a certain referee Nazic went to went to China. So not many, but uh, there were some who uh, became professional in another in another league. I mean, I I wanted to ask you. We've seen um, in Germany, for example, two referees coming onto I think television shows to explain the decisions from the game before. In France as well, one referee gave an interview to L'Equipe where he explained, you know, why he made decisions. And I think there's. Amongst fans, maybe there's feeling at times that it would be good for the referee to be able to explain, okay, this is why I gave that foul or not give that one. This is why I gave a yellow count here. Where do you stand as the head of the referee? Where do you stand? Do you think this would be a good thing? You can't do it too often. You don't think you don't think it should happen. A bit, a bit of both. I cannot say that I'm against uh, this because in 1997, so <laughs> some years ago. <laughs> I went. Uh, I went uh, to the media uh, media room after the after the match. I refereed in Italy, uh, explaining uh, a decision I have taken during during the match. So I cannot say that uh, uh, I'm against. Uh, but I have to say that uh, of course uh, uh, we need to be careful. Uh, not always. Uh, after a match uh, is the best moment uh, to explain. Mm. It depends on uh, peculiarities of uh, each uh, uh, competition. Uh, I know that in Germany, 
they are used to to do that since uh, many many years yeah. other countries uh, they are more reluctant uh, i repeat there is not uh, there are there is not uh, a specific uh, uh, rule to, to to be followed i i take his point about after the match yeah no know, me too tempers are high but i'd love it if there's still yeah. some mechanism to explain doesn't have to be the referee itself can be somebody who who listens in and maybe liaises quickly to the referee uh but do it in real time so that you know we don't have narratives hanging over yes. us no i agree with you and you know how in russia was obviously the, the debut for vr at the world cup and there was a lot of scrutiny on it and to be fair i think for the county it went well really well even Um, four years on, I mean, VAR is probably better than it was then because we've got four years of experience out of it and what works, what doesn't work. We've also had, for example, the semi-automatic offside in the Champions League, which should be much quicker and just help the referee even more. And, you know, again, other things on how computers have helped referees. Uh, and obviously, he's the, the best guy to ask how he feels about all those technological advantages that referees have now and will have in this World Cup compared to before? No, I'm very pleased that uh, that uh, the assessment of VAI in Russia was uh, very, very positive. Uh, we are not to forget that uh, we were coming uh, they, we are coming from very, very little experience. Mm. So uh, we really succeeded there and uh, as uh, always uh, when you were positive the bar is very high so the expectations are yeah. are very high and the and the video match officials and more in general the match officials job in uh, in Qatar uh, will be uh, more more difficult because of the high expectations um i have to say the time needed to make a decision is something that we uh, tried uh, to improve without forgetting that uh, being quick and being accurate, they don't work together. They cannot live together because sometimes there are many things to be checked in a row and, uh, and it takes time. If you want to be sure, it takes time. But the technology, we are going to implement uh, the semi-automated offside, so uh, related to offside situations, this certainly will lower the time needed for making a, a, a decisions a decision um it cannot be live so forget mm -hmm. uh, that uh, we have uh, an instantaneous decision on offside it will take time but based on the experience the, the test we made uh, and uh, the matches where the the semi-automated offside technology was implemented uh, recently Uh, the time needed is definitely is definitely lower yeah. and also more accurate the decision more accurate because you know that the semi-automated offside works uh, uh, with uh, um, fixing the position of the players uh, on the field of play uh, receiving data from 29 points of the player's body 50 times per second and we have also the so-called connected ball uh, yeah. and the data from the ball to determine when the ball is played are received by the technology 500 times per second. So we are talking of really high level of accuracy in determining where the players 
where and when the ball was played by a teammate. I think, am I right in saying in the margin of error is actually lower than it is for goal line technology with semi-automatic offside? Well, the, 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 I'm not that expert in, in, <laughs> in, this, in this matter. I, I receive the, 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 say, the, the support of uh, the innovation and technology division at FIFA, uh, which is the, uh, the division developing uh, everything related to uh, technology and uh, goal line technology, I remember, when was implemented for the first time, had a margin of error of three centimeters, and now is in the region of few millimeters because they improved the quality. And this is the same, and it will be the same for the VAR and the semi-automated offside technology. Hey, sometimes when we, we Jules and I, and I'm sure you do too, we, we watch games from different leagues around Europe, and the impression is that Sometimes in different cultures, you they officiate differently. Obviously, if it's the World Cup or the Champions League or the Libertadores, you try to go for a more uniform way of of refereeing. Would you so that you don't necessarily bring your culture as a Brazilian referee, as a German referee with you, but you say, okay, this is the standard that we want to apply. Would you say that that's accurate? I can say that the differences in the way they play, the, the teams play, were bigger some years ago. Yeah. I remember when I was uh, refereeing uh, matches between uh, in Europe, uh, matches between uh, teams, uh, club clubs from the northern part of Europe and uh, Mediterranean areas. Uh, it was very difficult. Yeah. Today, as you said before. There are coaches and players uh, uh, mixing, uh, so uh, it changed. Concerning referees, uh, when they land in, uh, in Doha, uh, they are not anymore a Brazilian referee, a German referee, or a, a Chinese referee, or an Australian referee. They are FIFA referees. They are part of the FIFA refereeing team, so... Um, one of the, the the most important goals uh, we we want to achieve and we worked uh, in this direction is to have consistency in terms of uh, how they are on the field of play. Then, of course, they must know football and they must know how the differences uh, might be. And uh, they have to be uh, ready to appreciate uh, these differences uh, and uh, and uh, and be ready to officiate in the in the in the proper way. Is is during this World Cup time wasting something that you've you've been thinking about a little bit? We've seen games and big games in the Champions League, for example, where the effective time of play was actually around the 50, 55 minutes over the whole ninety minutes and. And I think this is something that we've all thought about. I mean, you and Gabby have talked before about maybe stopping the clock at times and maybe one day we'll try that. I don't know. Is this something for this World Cup that maybe you'll be worried about or it's a different competition to what we see domestically week in and week out? When, um, 
when we speak about uh, wasted time in a match, uh, we should make uh, a difference uh, between uh, the time wasted because of the game mm-hmm. and the time wasted deliberately by players. Yeah. Believe me, the most important, the largest part is uh, the time wasted because of the match. Uh, in a match, uh, there are, uh, on average, nine minutes lost uh, on throw-ins. Almost the same, similar, or the same, almost the same for goal kicks. They are part of the game. Yeah. And even players would speed up the, the, the throw-in and the goal kicks uh, sometimes uh, is, uh, will be wasted, however. What we already did in Russia, you may remember, is to uh, more accurately calculate the time to be compensated mm. at the end of each half. And uh, in Russia, we, we, we told everybody, don't be surprised if you will see the fourth official raising the electronic board with a big number on it. Six, seven, eight minutes. Um, if we want to have uh, more active time and we want to compensate the time lost uh, during the match, uh, we need to be ready to see this kind mm-hmm. of uh, additional time given. Think a match where in a half there are three goals scored. The celebration normally takes uh, one, one and a half minutes. So with three goals scored, basically you lose five, six minutes. Yeah, already, yeah. Uh, for, for something that is nice to see, for those who scored, <laughs> probably for, for the opponent, <laughs> for that nice. So what we, what we really want to do is uh, to accurately calculate uh, the time to be added at the end of, uh, of each half. So who so, does that? The fourth official? It will be the fourth official mainly. Does he have some inputs from anybody else? We were successful in uh, Russia, so we expect to be successful as well in... Uh, and I'm not talking of the time lost uh, for VAR intervention, because no, this no. is something uh, which is uh, different, and yeah. this is uh, calculated by the uh, assistant uh, video assistant referee in a very sharp, uh, precise way. So I just want to clarify this. So one of the assistant video referees keeps track of how much time was lost to uh, on-field reviews or just waiting for yes. for a VAR decision. Yeah. And then the fourth, the fourth official calculates how much time is lost for injuries or arguing yeah. with the referee or the main relevant incidents during during the match, which are a long. And then he adds them together. Yeah, basically um, yes. years ago. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe when you started refereeing, uh, the referee decided how much time to add on, right? Pretended, pretended to be decided. Pretended, yeah. <laughs> Could you explain yes. this? We look at him. I always like, wondered <laughs> how does the referee? If you're so concentrated, how can you do that? Uh, even at the time I was refereeing, the info was coming from the fourth official. Because as you correctly said, you are too much focused on uh, what is going on that it might be possible that you that you forget something or do not consider something. So it's the fourth official who usually propose the amount of time to be added and the referee pretends to decide and uh, and decides. As part of the whole refereeing team, 
Do you have anybody, because look, these are very good referees, but everybody makes mistakes. I remember my friend Graham Pohl, famously in a World Cup, gave three yellow cards, and he talked about psychologically how how crushing it was for him to make a mistake. Do you have I don't know, a therapist or, or, or somebody there to, to maybe help with this or, or help with feelings of being far away? Or have we reached a point where referees are so professional, so strong that if they make a mistake, they say, okay, I made a mistake and I move on. The support of, uh, of especially, doesn't matter the, the field of activity, is always uh, important if needed. But it's very personal. So I remember um, when I had the competitions uh, as a referee, um, there was a, a psychologist as part of the team. Uh, we thought of it. And uh, at the end of the day, I think it's important or is uh, beneficial if uh, this uh, specialist work with you on a regularly on a regularly basis i i open myself with someone i know because i work with during the year so right. what we told our referees is we do not provide you this support during the world cup because probably we have not the person you would like to have a support from uh, but the support can come even from remote. Uh, you don't need the presence. It's not a, a, a physiotherapist who has to, 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 to make uh, a treatment yeah. and it has to be in person. Something related to the psychology, psychological part, uh, you can even handle on a Zoom call uh, from, from, from remote. So if they feel the need, they are professional and I'm sure... They, they, they will be ready to receive uh, this kind of support uh, during the competition, as well as they have received uh, during the preparation and their normal activity. Do you find most referees have somebody, most high-level referees have somebody like that? Maybe it can be an older referee, a mentor. It's a very personal thing. I, I would never ask them, are you... Uh, using this kind of support or not, because I want them, okay, I want yeah. to make them very free to do what they are comfortable with, without imposing anything or because uh, something that works very well for someone doesn't work for someone else. I can tell you, if you have one minute and anecdote about this, uh, I remember I was a very young referee, and uh, you, Gabriele. Are Italians, you certainly remember Gigi Agnolina as uh, one of the main referee of uh, my uh, start as a, as a as a referee. And uh, and he told me, I remember uh, one day during a dinner, uh, he told me that he was used to take a nap before the match. When he arrived at the stadium, he uh, asked the assistant referee to leave the, the dressing room and he was used to go on a... Uh, small massage bed, uh, taking a, a very short nap. And uh, I thought uh, if he's uh, one of the best referee uh, in the world or certainly <laughs> the best referee in Italy, and it was for him, uh, now I found a way to be a good referee or the best referee. <laughs> I did it. I did it. 
and uh, it was the worst match I refereed. <laughs> what I needed was uh, completely the opposite, not to relax myself, but get to the level of uh, alert uh, immediately below the anxia level. You know that anxia reduces performances. Mm. If you can manage to get that level immediately below, all your senses are alerted and you are controlling everything. And this is what I needed. So doing what he needed to me was uh, the worst decision I, I, I could do. So I learned from that experience and I learned that something working for someone may not work for someone else. You need to find your own way. Is it, is it, could, could one of your referees during the competition, could they come, could they knock at your door and said, I just wanted to ask you something. I just wanted to discuss something with you or you are too busy, they're too busy and it's not really your role even. We succeed if they succeed. So our goal is to make them in a position to succeed. So whatever I can do, happy to do. Yeah. The experience I had uh, as a referee, the experience I had uh, after uh, what I do today, this is uh, at their disposal. And, uh, and I repeat, whatever I can do, mm. I will do. And of course, uh, all the other people yeah, 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 well. all together with me and their presence there is very important, starting from, uh, from Massimo Busacca and all the other instructors uh, and, uh, and coaches we have there. They are all 24-7 ready to, to provide all the support that uh, might be needed. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Yeah, Jules, I, I thought that was interesting. By the way, it totally makes sense. Anybody who's been around sort of therapy counselors, grief counselors, it's not one size fits all. And, yeah. and I imagine if you're a referee at a World Cup level, you've been officiating for a long time, you have your own personal support networks, you have your own mechanisms yeah, for dealing yeah. with the you, fact yeah. that... You used to, yeah. Yeah, you get abuse and you make mistakes because you're human, yeah. right? And so... I'm not saying they're different from other human beings, but they kind of are, right? They have to have that level. And it's, it's not going to be that they don't care if they make a mistake, they just move on. Maybe they do care tremendously, but maybe there's a relative, maybe there's somebody back home, yeah. you know, who they deal with. And, you know, it's good to know that they're supported, but there isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all form of support. No, but I just wonder how many go and knock out 
Pierluigi's door to, you know, to have a chat or if they feel buzzing or low or something like that. But it's good that he's always available. And we obviously did the interview on Zoom. He was, he was um, back home in Italy. Um, he, um, he lives not too far from, uh, from Florence. And in, in, in his office where he did the, the interview with us, we could see behind him a lot of, a lot of footballs. Uh, and usually when we interview players like that, they usually have a lot of shirts that they've swapped or their own shirts, something like that. For referees, it's a bit harder, of course. Uh, but the footballs were there and one looks like a World Cup football, did you think? From the 2002 World Cup final, perhaps? Yeah, Jules, I, I picked up on that too. And so I asked him, right? If you score a hat-trick yeah. in a game, tradition is you get to keep the ball. But how does a referee get to keep a ball? Yeah, I can score three goals, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's not an over a, a ball as a as an award. But uh, if he can, if he manages to pick up the ball and uh, don't uh, leave it uh, ever, <laughs> you can get the the World Cup final ball at your home. Ah, that is. So this is the actual ball from the 2002 World Cup final in Yokohama, Brazil against Germany. Yes. And none of the Brazilians came up to you and said, hey, look, we just became world champions for the fifth time. Can I have the ball? Unfortunately, Ronaldo scored twice. Uh, <laughs> no hat-trick no hat ball for him, you know? Simple as that. So the ball, the, ball came, the ball came and I was so keen to get the ball back with me that I didn't leave during the entire award ceremony. I went on a podium to receive a gold medal. I have to say, first time uh, the, the 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 referee was uh, was given this kind of award, and uh, and uh, I kept the ball uh, between my hands uh, during all the award ceremony. Well, I mean, obviously, I think this is the highlight of your career with with the Champions League final as well, and, and what Champions League final it was that you refereed, by the way. That maybe we can talk a little bit later after, but. What was it like, that World Cup final? How did you feel before, like literally in the tunnel? How did you feel during? How did you feel after? I guess you were so happy not to have made a mistake, which is, I guess, the best that you could do, of course. But what, what was all those feelings like? It's a difficult answer to be given because I, uh, I always lived every match as a, as a match because it's the best way to deal with something. Uh, you are there, you are prepared, uh, this is your job. So I repeat, it's positive because you don't feel too much uh, uh, the emotion. Mm. But the other side of the coin is uh, uh, you do not remember particular things because you dealt with, uh, with, with them in a very routinary uh, way. Uh, so from that match... Uh, uh, there was something a bit unusual because uh, <clears throat> we had to get the stadium very much in advance, much more than, than usual, not only the refereeing team, but also Germany and Brazil because of the protocol of the Japanese emperor uh, that uh, blocked the, the traffic around the stadium. So we had to get uh, at the stadium uh, rather two and a half hours before the kickoff when the normal time to get the stadium is 90 minutes, 95 minutes before the kickoff. So we had to find out something to do. And <laughs> what was different from all the other was these 40 minutes spent in the corridor chatting each other. 
players among them. Uh, most of the Brazilians were playing in Europe uh, and uh, almost all of them were playing Champions League uh, and many of them were playing in Italy. So we knew each other very well. So we spent uh, a lot of time chatting, uh, trying really to, to, to get the correct time to start uh, <laughs> the normal the normal uh, routine. routine. Yeah. So two and a half hours before, that's not going to happen in in Qatar, right? It's it's so hopefully, small. Hopefully so... not. Hopefully not. <laughs> as a coach, as a coach, I would get a bit nervous because uh, as a football coach, the same. Uh, if you yeah. are used to do something with a routine, when you change, uh, you get a bit nervous. Question for me, just about weird refereeing scene, things that I have never seen. And you probably, I'm, I'm wondering if you have, um, a player being sent off for a second yellow for time-wasting. I'm sure it has happened. But in practice, I get the sense that it's extremely rare. And so maybe a first yellow for time-wasting is almost like a, a license to continue wasting time. Have you ever seen it happen? Have you ever done it? Honestly, honestly, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't uh, uh, happy to to show cards uh, yellow or 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 red, uh, and this is something that uh, probably people do not understand. It's not, uh, it's not a joy for a referee to to to, to issue cards during uh, during a match. Um, certainly, it happened because uh, I had quite uh, quite. Uh, quite a big number of matches, so certainly it's something that have happened. No, I, I have to say it's not a sort of uh, license uh, to do whatever you want uh, because uh, you know that you were already cautioned and the referees are reluctant to double caution someone for for uh, for this reason. I think it, uh, I hope it won't happen to, to during the, the, the World Cup, because I repeat, uh, it's not that good if uh, players are, are sent off. But on the other hand, we need uh, to protect uh, the image of the game. And, uh, and this is certainly one of the examples uh, of protecting the image of the game. The, 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 other, the other objective referees uh, will have during the, the, the World Cup is to protect the, 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 the players' uh, safety. Uh, we can accept uh, to have uh, players injured because of a uh, brutal or very strong uh, tackle committed by an opponent. We want to have uh, players on the field to play showing uh, their skill and not uh, recovering uh, from uh, from an injury caused by by an opponent. But already that's been a that's been a trend in the game in general. I mean. I'm old enough to remember football in the 1980s and you would see a lot of very nasty tackles, which, you know, today, maybe it's VR, maybe it's better referees, maybe it's fitter players. Uh, you see a lot less. Would you agree that that's been a trend? Uh, the, the, the dirty tackle, the very dangerous tackle is a lot less than, than before. The objective, the goal has been achieved. So um, the, the move, the change started when... Uh, Many uh, very skillful players were injured because that kind of uh, uh, tackles. 
So uh, the laws of the game reacted. You certainly remember that it was introduced uh, the so-called uh, taker from behind, and then uh, not only from behind, but uh, any kind of tackle that may endanger the safety of an opponent, um, meaning that uh, it's not a matter of deliberately doing something, but uh, simply risking to provoke uh, an injury. We highlight, we had a workshop with, with uh, the coaches of the 32 teams uh, playing the World Cup a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we highlighted some incidents where players with a very outstretched leg, very high, hit the head of an opponent. Uh, we are absolutely sure that the intention was not to hit the, 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 the opponent's head, but nevertheless, you cannot play the ball at that level, risking to hit the, the heads, the face, the neck, so a very uh, risky part of the body of an opponent and risking to endanger the opponent. So you have to uh, refrain from committing something, uh, something like this. I mean, the protection on, on players now compared to what it was 20 years ago is obviously, might sound obvious, but I think it's interesting to see the path to, to get there, the differences in the way referees are refereeing, but the way the game is being played as well, plus plus how the atmosphere has changed, the attitude yeah. from players have changed. I think also players bigger, faster, yeah. stronger, game higher, uh, higher game, pace, almost, more cameras. Yeah. Refereeing's had to, to keep up with that. Yeah. Now, going back to VAR though, I had to ask him something which really bogged me. So <laughs> I went back and I reread the VAR protocol from on the IFAB website and this rule is still there. A referee who doesn't see something clearly yeah. has the right to ask the VAR for an on-field review. He can so go it comes from him instead of coming from the VAR room. Yeah, so the VAR can't make the referee. The VAR can only recommend an on-field yeah. review. But the referee on the pitch can say, ooh, I can get a good look at that. Hey, VAR, can I go look at it again on the pitch side monitor? So I asked him, why does this never happen? Why is that rule there? It's, uh, it's because... Um when the when the referee makes a decision on the field of play he is uh, convinced uh, that uh, he made a good decision he made a correct call um and he decides uh, when uh, he is in a condition to to decide so uh, cannot happen that uh, the referee says uh, uh, i'm in doubt uh, i go and see he makes the decision um and even not deciding means to have made a decision. Of course, yeah. uh, what referees can do is to tell the video assistant referee, I've seen this uh, double check. So inviting the VAR to check an incident because uh, he had not uh, all the elements to make a decision. And for this reason, he didn't decide or simply he played uh, he played on, but there might have been something. So he asks uh, the uh, VAR to double check uh, a specific a specific incidents. But but that's not the same as him asking for the on-field review. This is not an official. Yeah, this is not. Uh, a, it's stopping the game. I go and see. 
Mm-hmm. But, this, but, this is something I, I confirm. I, I never seen it uh, as well. I, I know you read the protocol. It's strange to me that it's in there. It's a possibility. It's a possibility yeah, that is given. But as I repeat, when the referee is on the field to play, normally he is convinced about the decision he took. There is a perception uh, that sometimes referees, if there is a hard tackle and referees will give a yellow card, knowing that the video assistant referee will look at it and say, you know what, you have the, there's the conditions for a red card. Please look at the on-field review. And that way they arrive at the, at the correct decision that way. Whereas types of fouls that maybe before VAR, the referee would have gone straight to a red. Is this a phenomenon you think, or is it just people in the media spending too much time thinking about this? Uh from the referee's uh, side, doing that is wrong and is not even uh, beneficial because uh, if the decision, the correct decision, would have been a red card, certainly the intervention of the video assistant referee and the technology uh, gives the referee the possibility to take uh, the correct decision at the end. But when he will speak with me, he have to explain me why he went for a yellow mm. when it was a clear red. Yeah. Right. Because uh, uh, VAR is very positive because uh, he restores uh, the truth. Uh, he avoids uh, a mistake from being committed. So um, coaches, players, Journalists uh, normally do not comment uh, negatively on uh, an initial wrong decision corrected uh, thanks to the VAR because they are more interested uh, in the final outcome. And the final outcome is correct. Okay? But my job is different. (laughs) Your job is uh, to have uh, correct decisions taken on the field of play. So there are decisions which are... uh, let's say, beyond the possibility of uh, a human being. Because things happen so quickly, the referee is not always uh, in the correct position, and uh, basically what he is able to see on the field of play uh, cannot uh, be the same the technology today can show. That's why we implemented technology. But if the referee was in a good position, if the referee was uh, in a condition to make uh, a good call, I repeat, he has to explain me or people doing my job why the wrong decision was initially uh, taken. That's why I say it's not beneficial for a referee to make uh, an initial wrong decision knowing that it will be corrected by the video assistant referee because the mistake remains. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! 
playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You told me already, but I want to ask you again, the players that impressed you maybe when you were refereeing. I don't know if you've got a top three and it'd be even better if there's a Frenchman in there. And also that, that Champions League final because it's the most iconic, the most memorable Champions League final of all time that you refereed. So I just wanted to ask you those two questions. Yeah, the two minutes, uh, two, and a, two and 34 seconds uh, in Barcelona, in, uh, in that uh, Man United-Bayern uh, Munich uh, Champions League final 1999, uh, certainly are memorable. Not the rest of the match, because the rest of the match was, uh, I would say, an enjoyable match, but certainly not uh, the ultimate final, as uh, uh, that final is, uh, is, uh, is called. Um, yeah, it was, uh, was something unique because uh, uh, we are talking of uh, the most important uh, uh, match in the club competition in the world and uh, having two goals scored uh, in two and a half minutes uh, uh, during stoppage time, uh, uh, moving uh, the trophy from one side to another, <laughs> that uh, atmosphere, Camp Nou, uh, a, a great stadium at the time, the capacity was not reduced for security reasons, so there were more than 90,000 90, people. Certainly, was 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 incredible. Was incredible. Um, definitely something uh, I will never I will never forget. Um, I never refereed Maradona, so I cannot say that uh, uh, the best was Maradona. Uh, I had the privilege to to. To, to referee many uh, great uh, great players. Ronaldo, uh, a phenomenon. So the Brazilian Ronaldo uh, certainly is the one um, probably did something more than the other, but uh, uh, you mentioned a French player, Zidane, was, uh, was outstanding. Uh, Maldini, Baggio, as yeah. Italians, uh, of course. Uh, so there were there were many. Uh, I played uh, I played as a central defender when I was uh, young. So certainly uh, Fernando Hierro uh, was uh, was uh, someone uh, great, uh, playing almost in the same position. Mm. There were many. So when you when you watch the World Cup, you, you described you have a flair for these great. When when you're there in Doha watching the World Cup. Are you just so focused on watching the referees or you have observers and assistants who do that for you that you will actually be able to enjoy the football? You'll be actually able to watch Neymar and Mbappe and Messi? I want to enjoy, if I want to enjoy something, I switch uh, on the NBA channel. I can't say say Italian basketball because my loved team is playing second division this year, so... 
it's not, it's not the best. Fortitudo, <laughs> yeah? Yeah, Fortitudo Bologna. We rele- relegated last year, so it's not uh, it's not the best year to speak uh, of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, will sw- I will switch uh, to the NBA channel and I relax uh, watching uh, a-, a basketball match. And I think it's worse because Virtus Bologna are in the EuroLeague this year, Don't right? say too much, come on. Don't ah. say Yeah, so Jules, I'm just imagining uh, Colina sitting in his hotel room and <laughs> deep in the night, like you know, turning on and like like streaming uh, like uh, NBA hoops. Uh, he is Paolo a big, Banquero, big fan, number one fan. He's he's a huge basketball yeah. fan, as you know. He's a fan of, of Fortitudo Bologna, which is one of the two teams, Bologna, the basketball capital yeah. of Italy. Uh, it doesn't like the fact, I'm sure, that the rivals reached the same this year. <laughs> I'm doing better. But we digress. What a great shot. But uh, it was, it was, he was open. He was, he was direct. Like, it's not easy being in charge of referees. It's not easy working for FIFA. I will say this. He's one of the few people who's worked, been head of referees at UEFA. Yeah. And at FIFA. FIFA. Yeah. Uh, so he knows the system. When you can get both the people who run those organizations to like you, you're onto yes, something. Yeah. Yeah. And let's wish him and his team of referees the best World Cup possible, you know, not making mistakes and having the whole, you know, the whole competition on a, on a high. It's a massive cliche, but the less we talk about them, the better the yeah. competition is. So I hope you enjoyed our chat with uh, Pierluigi Colina. We've got another one coming up shortly with Vincent Company, yeah, another Belgium and City right. star, now Burnley uh, manager. And we have a whole archive full of, full of this if you enjoy Long-form conversation, go on there, you'll find them all, from Sami Khedira to Victor Montagnani to Slatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, the one and, only. and yeah, Gal- yeah, okay. many others. And many others, yeah. Lo- lots to uh, uh, dive into there, lots of meaty topics. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 